Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you had a glass at your house, a drinking glass or something like that, and you dropped it on the ground, and it shattered, and pieces went everywhere, what, what would you do with that glass? Would you, would you try to pick up all the pieces and somehow miraculously repair it? Would you pick up the pieces and maybe, maybe hold on to them and make something different out of those pieces? Probably not most of the time. I think most of us, if it falls and it breaks and it shatters, we sweep it up and we throw it away in the trash. I have a pile of children's toys at my house that are waiting for me to be repaired. This is not even all of them. Some of these things may be able to be repaired. Some of them not, especially the ones that are missing pieces are a little bit uh, difficult uh, to repair, but they sit in a pile for the day that perhaps I might attempt to fix some of them. We have these things in our lives that are, are broken. Some are repairable, some are not. The Bible tells the truth about God's ability to deal with broken things. The Bible tells us about God's ability to deal with broken things, and it's not just that God can fix things that are broken, which he can, but the Bible also tells us a story about how God takes broken things and even brings them together in a way that we could never imagine, and yet it works. And it's beautiful. Have you ever heard of a mosaic before? A mosaic is a beautiful, beautiful art form. What I have up on the screen right now is not, not a mosaic. It's a mosaic that's about to be made. I guess maybe this was like a, a lazy first grader's uh, mosaic where his art teacher gives him all the pieces and says, make something out of this. And he says, I did. What do you think of it? It's pretty nice, right? You know, this, this, this is, I think, a mosaic that's ready to be made. But it takes an artist to gather together the pieces that are broken, that don't seem to fit, and to piece them together in a beautiful way. It takes an artist to create beauty out of brokenness. We are beginning a sermon series today on the book of Acts. And this is the fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And the book of Acts is a mosaic story. It's a story about seemingly unlikely situations, brokenness, uh, broken people, which we'll talk about more in a little bit, doing remarkable things by the power of God's Spirit. It's a mosaic story. The full name for this book, if you don't know, is actually the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. And that last word, apostles, means in Greek, sent ones. The sent ones. So the, the full length of this name of the book of Acts is, is, is the Acts of the Apostles. So in a sense, it is the story of the ones who were sent by Jesus, and it tells of their acts. Okay? It tells what they did. So this is a story about the ones who were sent by Jesus to tell us what happened as he sent them out. Now the book of Acts starts, it starts in the very beginning. We actually started right after this part, but it starts in the very beginning with Jesus' final command 
to his disciples to go and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. And then we had the part that we read today. We had the part that we read today. But after, after this, we then see the sending of the Holy Spirit that comes upon God's people. And then the book of Acts covers about the first 30 years of the Christian church history. So it's a story that spans the 30 years after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. For about the next two months, we're going to be reading together the book of Acts. So we're going to, we're going to read for three weeks. We'll take a two-week break in the middle uh, and celebrate Reformation Day and All Saints Day for, for those two weeks. And then we'll come back and read the book of Acts for three more weeks. Essentially, the way that we're going to structure this is today, uh, in a sense, I'm preaching on chapters 1 through 4, even though I'm just zeroing in on one little spot. And then we put together a daily Bible reading list. Those of you who are here for the announcements, I mentioned this. Uh, but essentially, the way this will work is I'm preaching on uh, chapters 1 through 4 today, and then you'll read chapters 1 through 4 this week. Next week, I'll preach on chapters 5 through 9, and then you'll read chapters 5 through 9. If you want to read along with us each day, again, you're free to read as much as you want, but we have broken it down. You can take the, the notes and news section home, and it's got listed for you what to read, or on that website, copperluth.org slash readacts, has the whole schedule. Or uh, on our church app, again, if you have that, there is a Bible reading function. Um, even, even We will be sending out daily notifications if that's your thing as well. Sign up for daily Bible reading notifications within the app, and you'll get a friendly reminder each day on what to read. And again, the neat thing with that is you can also listen to the Bible there, and it'll just play for you the daily section. So we encourage you to be in the book of Acts reading along with us over these next six weeks. But again, today, um, we're zeroing in on Acts chapters 1 through 4, and the part that I want to focus on is this part where the names of Jesus' disciples are listed, and where they're, they're in the situation where Judas needs to be replaced. So Judas, again, was the disciple who betrayed Jesus, and then after betraying Jesus, went and hung himself. If you don't know that part of the story, he, he committed suicide, and so he needed to be replaced. And so what they did is they found, uh, they, they believed that they needed some guys who had been with from the baptism of Jesus all the way to his ascension, people who have been around for a while. And so they, they bring forward these two guys uh, who are qualified and who are willing, and they cast lots. They roll dice for them, and then and the lot falls to Matthias. Just a little point of information for those of you who don't know, some of you, this is your first time here at our church, some of you are uh, starting the new members class today. We actually use a similar process here at our church uh, for the selection of the members of our board of directors, the only uh, officially elected uh, 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 volunteer position in the church. And for that, we, we basically gather together nominations of people who are qualified and who are willing. We put their names in a basket, we pray about that decision, and we drop out as many as we need for the slots that are available. I like that system. It's very nice. There's no politicking. Nobody has to worry about, you know, hanging up campaign posters or anything like that. And so that's just a point of information for you. So this lot falls to Matthias, and he is the replacement disciple. Jesus had called 12. He had sent out 12, and these guys wanted to have a full roster. Now these people, these 12, these are the people that Jesus specifically charged and commanded to continue his work in this world. 
If you were getting ready to launch a worldwide movement, or what you had hoped to be a worldwide business endeavor, and you could select 12 people to be on your startup dream team, who would you put on that team? If it were me in this day and age, I'd probably have a lawyer on my team, <laughs> or maybe five or six lawyers. Um, uh, you know, a marketing guy, a technology whiz, probably a graphic designer. Uh, knowing me, I'd probably want to have a chef just because I could, and that would be fun to have somebody to cook for me. And then, I don't know, a comedian or something to keep the mood light. You know, we can't take ourselves too seriously. I don't know. I don't know who would be on my team. I'm not worthy of starting a worldwide uh, movement or business endeavor. But you get the gist, right? You get the gist. We would we would put together a dream team. What did Jesus? do? What did Jesus do? Remember how I mentioned that mosaic a little bit ago? Broken pieces that don't seem to fit together are put together and made into something beautiful. That's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. And today, two different times, we read the list of the names of those disciples, and I'd like to introduce you to them again. Some of you um, know something about some of these disciples, and the scriptures only give us so much information, only about a handful of them. I wish that I had pictures and biographies to tell you, to really introduce you to these guys, but thankfully I did find a high-quality image picture of the 12 disciples. And so I want to introduce you to them. Here they are. This is from my children's Bible at home. When I really don't know what's going on in the Bible, if I don't understand a story, I read it in the children's Bible, and then I'm like, ah, there we go. So see, there's a little tip for you. Get yourself a children's Bible. All right, here we go. We have Peter and Andrew, Matthew, James and John, uh, Philip and Bartholomew, James, son of Alphaeus, Thomas, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. If you don't know these guys, I'd invite you to get to know them and to memorize their names. It's only 12 names. But you might want to pick a list, because if you go to different sections of the scripture, they all have different names. Like sometimes Bartholomew is called Nathaniel, and sometimes uh, Judas is called James, and then but he's also the son of James. And so it gets a little bit confusing. So pick a list, get to know 12 of them, and I want to introduce you to them just a little bit. We know for sure that Peter and Andrew and James and John are fishermen. And those are two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. Matthew, we know quite a bit about. Matthew, when he was called to be a disciple, was sitting in a tax collector's booth. So he was a tax collector, and tax collectors were not well thought of in society. They were more like extortioners and were thought to be unclean people. And so this is who Jesus chooses as well. Uh, Simon, the guy on your far left next to Judas, I almost fell down. Uh, the guy next to Judas on the far on the far left, Simon, he's also called Simon the Zealot. Uh, that's, that's not his job, but it does say something about who he is. The Zealots were a, a religious sect. They were like the, the very, very religious kind of people. They stuck to their guns. So we know a little bit about him. We don't necessarily know too much about the rest of these guys, uh, but we can, we can kind of assume from context that they were tradespeople of some sort. What we do know is that they were not highly educated or regarded in a high estate in the political class or in the religious establishment. 
But this story, the story of the Acts of the Apostles, in the end, is not necessarily so much about these guys as it is about what God can do through them. But in order to do anything through them, he must first bring them together as his people on his artist's tapestry and create this beautiful discipleship mosaic. This is what our God does. Our God is a, is a bringer together, you could say. God brings things together, things that may not seem to fit, he brings together. We see it here in this, in this discipleship story as Jesus calls to himself 12 broken, uh, ill-equipped, ordinary group of guys. God brings them together. But we also saw it in the Old Testament lesson today from Genesis 2. We saw it as, as God brought the animals together to Adam and had him name them. And God brought then to him a woman to be that helper, that companion for him. And God, in that story, allowed Adam even to name all the animals. Names are important to God. Because when God names something, it has a purpose and a place. And God is intentional about placing his things where they ought to be. And the disciples are called by name. And their names are recorded in the book of the scriptures in multiple places for all of history to see. In this beautiful discipleship mosaic are names, and written onto that artist's tapestry are also your names, your biography, your birthday, your story. You are part of this mosaic, jagged, rough, sharp edges that are on you. God even knows the story of how you broke and God even remembers you being swept up into that dustpan. And from there, he rescued, and he redeemed you, and he claimed you, and set you aside for a purpose. God makes beautiful things out of what the world would say is junk. My kids love to do art projects at our house. They love to do art projects. Uh, and scissors are a big hit at our house right now. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Those two, we don't usually let the one-year-old play with the scissors, but you know, every once in a while. Uh, but especially Max, our four-year-old, he loves scissors and he loves to cut things, sometimes for no apparent reason. Um, but, he, you know, we're, we're making lots of messes at our house. And one time my mom, who is a, a genius, came to visit. And she said to the kids, she said, how about instead of throwing these scraps all over the floor and just making a big mess, how about you choose some that you like and we'll put them in a bag and we'll label the bag beautiful junk. Beautiful junk. And you can take pieces from that bag of beautiful junk and make yourself some wonderfully beautiful art projects from there. Beautiful junk. Beautiful junk. Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. His disciples, they were a ragtag crew. None of the disciples would have been accepted if their past mistakes and sins made them ineligible. Let me say that again. None of these guys would have been accepted by Jesus if Jesus said, you can only be my disciples if you are perfect. 
Perfection is not a prerequisite to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Perfection is not a prerequisite to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the opposite is actually true. You must be broken to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You must be broken and humble and contrite in heart because it's only for the broken that grace and love and forgiveness even means anything. At the beginning of the book of Acts, where we're, where we're starting today, my hopes are not high for these disciples. For these 12 and for the other 108 that are with them, my hopes are not high for them. Because from a human standpoint, there is absolutely nothing humanly possible that should allow for them to have safety or success. Their safety is actually in jeopardy from a human perspective. Where do we find them? In the city of Jerusalem. What just happened in Jerusalem 40 days ago? Jesus was killed. Jesus was killed. And then he rose from the dead in that city and appeared to people. Right? And now here we are 40 days later. And, and, and the disciples are back in Jerusalem. They're hiding. They're afraid. They're worried. Rightly so. I would be too. Right? I would be too as a follower of Jesus from a human perspective. There's nothing from a human perspective that says that they should be safe. And there's no reason, according to human standards, that they should also have any success at being, uh, at being successful at following through with Christ's command to preach the good news. They are now up against two worldly establishments. They are up against the religious establishment that just crucified Jesus, this religious Jewish establishment that has their heels deeply ingrained in what they're doing and why they're doing it for hundreds and thousands of years. They're up against that establishment and they are up against the whole of the Roman Empire, which essentially controls the political environment of the whole known world. Twelve ragtag, ill-equipped, ordinary guys. I don't have much hope for them. Just wait and see, though, when you go home this week, and as you read along in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and so on, when you see the power of God's Holy Spirit make himself manifest and dwell within these people, you will watch this beautiful mosaic come together through the power of the Spirit as God's Word shifts the dynamic and blows our wildest imaginations out of proportion. These disciples, these, these guys, we can relate to these guys, or at least I can. We're just like them. We are beautiful junk. If it were up to the world, we would be thrown away if we are open and honest with the world about our brokenness and sin. The world does not have a place for broken people. The only way that this world seems to accept people is if you put on a good face or if you're really good at hiding your brokenness. The world has no place for broken people, yet the opposite is true with God. God does not throw away the broken, the ill-equipped, the ordinary, like you and me. He picks us up, he puts us into his bag of beautiful junk, and then he pastes us on to his discipleship mosaic. 
God makes disciples out of you and out of me, and he calls us to be his ambassadors of reconciliation in this world. Do you know what that means? You know what reconciliation means? To bring back together what is broken. You, professor. You, student. You, mom. You, grandpa. You, retiree. You, doctor. You, nurse. You, every one of you. You have a purpose and a place in your broken, ill-equipped, ordinary life. Not in the future, but today. Today, God has written your name onto his discipleship mosaic. The world may want to throw you away and call you junk, but in the hands of God, the artist, you are beautiful and you have a purpose. The body of Jesus Christ, it was broken on the cross, broken and beaten and bloody. The world discarded of those broken remains and threw them in a tomb. But God, the great artist, gathered together those broken pieces and prepared a most extraordinary mosaic. More extraordinary than the world has ever seen, he created a resurrection mosaic. God raised Jesus from the dead. And you too are part of that mosaic, written into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A resurrection mosaic. The world may say that you are junk. It may tell you that you are broken, ill-equipped, and ordinary. But in this mosaic of God Almighty, you are beautiful. You are beautiful junk. And not just on your own, but together with all of us. We are all written in this together. Over the next number of weeks, we will continue to see how this mosaic takes shape and how its beauty expands and how more and more broken, ill-equipped, and ordinary people are added on to the story. Go in God's grace and in his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.